0: This morning, before I get too far into the message, I want to make a confession. Over the years, I have battled a serious drug problem. It all started when I was a kid. My parents drugged me to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night on top of that. Even when I told them I didn't want to go, they still drug me. I was drugged to school Monday through Friday. I had no choice in the matter. I was also drugged in my room whenever I talked back to my parents, or told a lie, or brought home a bad report card, or didn't speak with respect, or spoke ill of a teacher or the preacher, or if I didn't put forth my best effort in everything that I did. I was drugged to the bathroom sink on occasion. When I had allowed a dirty word to slip out of my mouth. I do know what the taste of soap is like. I was drugged outside on Saturdays to help my dad work in the yard. I was drugged to the homes of family and friends and neighbors to help them mow the yard or rake the leaves. And if I ever took payment for what I had done, my mom would drag me back and make me give it back to them. And all these drugs, I want you to understand, are still in my veins. They have affected my attitude and my behavior even as an adult. But I would suppose that if all the kids today had this kind of a drug problem, our neighborhoods and our country and our world would be a far better place to live. I may not have appreciated all that my parents did at the time, but over the years since I've left home, I have grown increasingly thankful for their input in my life. As Mark Twain once said, when I was 16, I thought my dad was a fool. By the time I'd turned 21, I was amazed at what the old man had learned in five years. (laughs) The older I get, the smarter, the wiser my parents begin to look, which brings us this morning to the fifth commandment. In verse 12, from the cliffs and peaks of Mount Sinai, God thunders to His people both then and now, "'Honor your father and your mother.'" that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Here is the fifth non-negotiable that God wants us to decide on in advance. Here is a truth meant for all peoples in all times, in all ages, who live in all places. We need to value respectful kids. First, be one. And if you're a parent, then raise one. In Murphy, North Carolina, there is an interesting tourist attraction. It was built in 1945, and the centerpiece is the world's largest Ten Commandments. It's a 300-foot-wide display, the size of a football field. It occupies a mountainside. On this mountain's grassy slope, God's top ten are written with five-foot-high letters. Each of the letters is formed with white stones, A staircase of 350 steps separates the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. The first five commandments are on the left side of the staircase. The last five commandments are on the right side. And the whole display is said to be so gigantic that it can be seen by the NASA astronauts as they orbit around the Earth. Tourists who visit the world's largest Ten Commandments love to take photos next to specific commandments. Married couples will stand next to the seventh commandment, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Parents like to pose their kids, even if the kids are not real hip on it, next to the fifth commandment, Honor your father and your mother. But here's why I bring up this monument. The men who constructed it broke with tradition and made a provocative decision. Remember, the Ten Commandments were written on two stone tablets by the finger of God and then handed to Moses. The first tablet contained the four commandments that teach us how to love God, how to relate to Him. You know, only one God. Worship Him the right way. Don't take His name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. While the second tablet of the law instructs us on how to love our fellow man. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't cover your your neighbor's belongings. They tell us how to conduct our interactions with each other. Because the fifth commandment deals with a child's relationship with his parents, most Bible students believe it appeared on the second tablet. But the architects of that Murphy, North Carolina monument placed the fifth commandment on the first tablet not the second tablet, and I agree with their decision. For a person's relationship with their parents is in so many, many ways interconnected with their relationship with God. I believe the fifth commandment belongs on the first tablet for a very special reason. If you can't obey and honor an authority you can see, namely your parents then how can you obey and honor an authority that you can't see? God. The willingness to respect our parents is critical to a person's attitude, to almost every other type of authority they'll run across in their lifetime. If you fail to learn to obey your mother and respect your father, you probably won't respect your teacher or your coach or the police or your boss or your pastor or even God. I know loads of people, even Christians, who have a hard time obeying God because they never learned to obey and respect their parents. I view my children's obedience to me not as an end in itself. A parent is not some power-hungry person on an ego trip. I'm not trying to bully my kids just so that I can feel like I'm in control. I love my kids with all my heart. And I see their obedience and their respect toward me as an important and first step in them learning to obey and respect God. We learn to obey and honor God by first obeying and honoring our parents. God uses our relationship with our parents to deepen our relationship with Him. At the very least, the fifth commandment is a bridge between the first five commandments and the second five commandments our relationship with God and our relationship with our parents tend to mirror each other they both are definitely intertwined reminds me of the Christian and the atheist sitting side by side on the airplane both were old men and they had boarded the airplane with their kids and their grandkids in tow and all throughout the flight the Christian man's children were coming up to check on him are you comfortable grandpa is there anything we can get you Can we get you something to drink? Finally, the atheist noted. He said, boy, my kids, they sure don't treat me with the same kind of respect that your children show you. And that's when the Christian fellow explained the obvious. He told him, he said, what do you expect? To my kids, I'm one step closer to them than God. Whereas to your kids, you're one step closer to them than an ape. Guys, our relationship with our parents is closely related to our relationship with God. In Ephesians 6, when Paul quotes the fifth commandment, he states, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Paul notes that this fifth commandment is special. It's the first commandment that comes with a promise. Read the fine print. And you'll find extra incentive to honor your parents. That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Long life usually comes with obedience to one's parents. But that's not the only promise that comes with the fifth commandment. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, the second generation, or the descendants of the Hebrews who exited from Egypt, they're about to enter the promised land. And there in Deuteronomy, God repeats to them this top ten list. In fact, the word Deuteronomy literally means second law. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, there is added a little addendum to this fifth commandment. There it says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your parents and you'll both live long and you'll live well. You'll live longer and better. Here's the surest way to live long and live large. Honor your parents. Generally speaking, fathers and mothers are wiser than their kids. A parent has been around the block a time or two. A parent has learned a few things. They know the ins and outs. They know stuff that kids don't. Why should a kid learn everything the hard way? If you obey and honor your parents, you'll avoid tremendous hardships and pitfalls. For most of us, God is the only person in our lives who loves us more than our parents. Most moms and dads care deeply for their children. And that's why kids minimize life's dangers and they maximize life's enjoyments just by listening to their parents. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17 should be every parent's favorite verse. Parents should teach this verse to their kids, even from early ages, but especially when they become teenagers. This is a great verse for a testy teen. It goes like this. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Don't you agree? I mean, isn't that a great verse for a rowdy teenager? When my teenagers start to buck and kick and start to rebel, I just warn them, they better stay inside. Because if you don't honor and respect your parents, you could be walking down the sidewalk and a flock of birds land on top of you and knock you to the ground and start picking out your eyeballs. And if it happens, don't say, I didn't warn you. Hey, every time a bird flies over a rebellious teenager without swooping down on top of his head and pecking out his eye sockets, God is obviously showing the kid mercy. (laughs) Actually, I, I am being a little facetious, but the accurate interpretation of this proverb does make the very same point. A rebellious teenager is still food for the vultures. This proverb assumes that a rebellious child is prone to make foolish and costly mistakes. And as a result, they might die at a young age. And having so alienated the people who love them, there will be no one left who will give them a decent burial. And thus, in ancient times, the carcass would be thrown out for food for the birds. The point is, if you don't want to be picked on and picked out and picked apart, if you want to live longer and better then live a life that honors your mom and your dad. Again, the fifth commandment tells us, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. This word translated honor is an interesting Hebrew word, kabod. Literally, it means heavy or weighty or serious. It's similar to the Hebrew word that gets translated glory. We've been learning through the first four commandments, that we need to treat God seriously. That He's not to be marginalized or trivialized or minimized. And neither should that happen to our parents. No matter your age, your dad and mom should still be taken seriously when you're young and at home. Their opinion should rule. When you're out on your own, their opinion should still count. Either way, when it comes to our parents, We should give a weightiness to their words, a seriousness to their opinion. In Psalm 104, verse 1, the psalmist cries out, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. The God in heaven wears glory and majesty like a robe. He is clothed in glory and honor. But here's what God has done. He has taken a little of His honor and He has shared it with the position of a parent. To a lesser degree, we are to treat our parents with the same respect and heaviness and weightiness and even admiration that we are to show toward God. Realize how serious God is about His people honoring their parents Exodus 21 verse 17 makes disrespect for a parent a capital crime. There it says, And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. That would certainly solve the overcrowding problem we have in some of our local high schools, wouldn't it? (laughs) Proverbs 20 verse 20 tells us, Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. I don't know quite what that means, but deep darkness also sounds pretty serious. Granted, these laws were meant for Israel, not us today. But they certainly show that the fifth commandment is no joke. Even today, God wants us to honor our parents. And understand, honoring your father and your mother has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not that parent is honorable. Not all of us have been blessed with parents that represented God to us. Some of us have had absolutely lousy parents. They've been abusive and arrogant and stubborn and prideful and even cruel. I was talking to a friend not too long ago who was telling me, describing how mean and how cruel his father had been to him and his sister. As he was growing up, he was beaten unmercifully at the hands of his father. Should that man now treat his father as if nothing had ever happened? Should he pretend that his father is a godly, loving Christian man? Not hardly. You can't ignore that. And yet neither should you turn your back on your father and show disdain toward him and return cruelty for cruelty and meanness for meanness. Hey, at the very least, every father, even a bad father, gave you a pair of jeans. If you can't respect your parent as a person, you can still respect the position that your parent occupies. For the position of a parent has been honored by God. There are two people in my life that have taught me a lot about honoring parents. The first is my wife. When my grandma came down with Alzheimer's, Kathy would visit my grandparents' house a couple of times a week to care for my grandmother. Kathy would give grandma a bath. She would help with her grooming. And often, Grandma would even forget Kathy's name. I'm sure she never once thanked Kathy for her faithfulness. She wasn't even capable of that gratitude. It was a totally selfless act on my wife's part. And this wasn't even her grandmother, this was my grandmother. Obviously, Kathy served my grandmother and honored her, not because she necessarily had a relationship with her, good or bad, but because Kathy honored the God given position. Of parents and grandparents she obeyed the fifth commandment the second person who has taught me about honoring my parents is my dad for a year or two after my grandmother died my grandpa moved in with my parents and for several years my dad took care of my mom's father he bathed him and fed him and put his pants on him and cleaned him up when he sold his britches And when eventually they could no longer care for my grandfather by themselves, my dad sat down in the living room and cried like a baby because he could no longer give him the care that he needed. For several years, my dad put his own life on hold to care for his grandpa. Even his golf game suffered. I'm telling you, he devoted that much to him. And he received very little thanks. My grandpa was a proud man. And he didn't want to admit that he needed anybody's help. And to thank my dad for his dependence, that would have been more than my grandpa could have bared. And as with my wife, my dad served his father-in-law not out of a personal debt of gratitude, but because of a biblical respect for the position of a parent. Remember David when his father-in-law Saul was chasing him like a fox stalks a rabbit? David was hiding in a cave. When Saul needed to use the restroom, the best though Saul could come up with was a cave. And when he walked into that cave to relieve himself, unbeknownst to Saul, he was walking into David's hideout. Saul was grunting and groaning and taking care of his business when David sneaked up behind him. And he pulled out his sword. And he clipped off the edge of his robe. David's men wanted him to kill Saul. But David refused. And when Saul had departed... David bided his time, and after Saul's entourage had moved out a safe distance, he appeared on a hilltop overlooking Saul. And he told his father-in-law that the Lord had delivered him into his hand, yet David had refused to kill him. And in 1 Samuel chapter 4, David holds up that piece of fabric, and he shouts out, Moreover my father see, yes see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, Know and see that there is no, neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. David's example teaches us two lessons. First, David not only honored his father, but he honored his father-in-law. Imagine that. That's scary. The fifth commandment also applies to your in-laws. David shouted to his father in law, Saul, Moreover, my father, see. It reminds me of the guy who was telling me about how well he and his mother in law got along. What a wonderful relationship they had. He loved spending time with his mother in law. And that's when I told him that my mother in law lived in Oregon. And he said, Oh, man. He said, If my mother in law lived in Oregon, I, I would have her move. And I looked at him and I said, I've, I've tried, but she won't go to Japan. That's just a joke. In rea- I did say it at the time, but in reality, the Lord has blessed me with a wonderful relationship with my in-law. Man, we're tight now. The story of David and Saul teaches us that God wants us to respect our parents-in-law just as much as He wants us to respect our parents. But it also teaches us that even if a parent is not a respectable person or deserving of our respect, nevertheless they are still to receive a measure of honor. Even when you can't honor the person, you can honor the position. All day this past Tuesday, I was bracing myself for bad news. I mean, I know the Bible teaches that we need to honor our political leaders whether we believe in them or not, whether they hold to dishonorable policies or not. And I was afraid that One of the candidates might win the presidency and I would have to spend the next four years respecting a position rather than respecting a person. And I would never want to mention names or anything like that, but I'm now relieved that won't be the case. (laughs) But that's the place that a lot of us are in with our parents Over the years, your parents have not acted in honorable ways. They've done dishonorable deeds. And yet no qualification here is placed on the fifth commandment. It doesn't say, honor your father and mother if, or honor your mother and father when. Even if your parents are people that you can't respect and have done things that are disrespectful, you have to look beyond the person and respect the position. And remember, if you're an adult, the way you treat your elderly parents will probably be the way that your children will treat you when you're old and gray and unable to care for yourself. Remember the old bumper sticker, it's true. Be nice to your children. They're the ones who get to pick out your nursing home. (laughs) I heard of a family of four grown children. The mom had become incapacitated It needed their help, but the children were always complaining about all the time and effort it took to care for mom. And that's when a neighbor who knew the family made the comment, Isn't it remarkable? One woman can feed, clothe, house, and educate four children, yet four children find it impossible to take care of one woman. Guys, no matter what kind of parents you might have had, either delights or duds, as children, God has still called us To honor our father and our mother. Here's one more example of a person who respected some imperfect parents. In Luke chapter 2, Joseph and Mary and a 12-year-old Jesus made a trip down to Jerusalem. And you recall what happened. Joseph and Mary joined the caravan to return home and they left their son behind in a strange city. They had to go back to retrieve him. Reminds me of the time when Kathy and I were locking up the church. We were the last ones to leave, and we looked around, and there were my kids, Kathy and little Kyle. And I went back in to find Kyle's parents, and they were nowhere to be found. And it didn't take long before an embarrassed father drove up in the parking lot looking for his son. It was one of those he's got him, she's got him kind of things, you know. She thought he had him, he thought she had him. It was a parental goof up. Well, maybe that's what happened between Joseph and Mary. But somewhere between Jerusalem and Nazareth, on the way home, it hit them. Their son had been left behind. It was not an example of impeccable parenting. It was a mistake. And yet, when the family returns to Nazareth, we're told in Luke 2, verse 51, Then Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. And the word subject means to submit or to obey. Hey, make note of this. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, chose to honor and obey forgetful and flawed and imperfect parents. Here was the first teenager who really did know more than his parents. Here was the first and only teenager who didn't just think he was smarter than his parents. Jesus really did know more than Joseph and Mary. Jesus was the first teenager in the history of the world who really was correct when he complained, Mom and Dad, you just don't understand me. They didn't. Here's a teenager who was God, and yet Jesus became subject to his parents. And if the fifth commandment was a non-negotiable in our Lord Jesus' life, how much more should it be a given in our lives? Guys, let's make it a conviction a characteristic of the way we think and live, honor your father and your mother. And if this is the duty of a child, then it follows that this should be the goal of a parent. For if God wants children to respect their father and their mother, then the purpose of a parent needs to be to teach those kids obedience and respect. I've met parents who have great ambitions for their children. They want to make them child prodigies. Academically, or musically, or artistically, or socially, or athletically. They spend time and money on camps and lessons and trainers. And there's nothing wrong with providing your kids these opportunities. But you can do all that I've mentioned and more and not fulfill your purpose as a parent. Hey, feeding, clothing, protecting, educating, entertaining your child is a part of parenthood. But if you're not teaching your child to respect authority, you're not doing your job. A parent's primary purpose is not to win their kid's friendship or to make their kids happy. It's to teach their children obedience and respect. And that's true when the child is 15 months or 15 years old. God puts no statute of limitations on the fifth commandment. Honor and respect should be lifelong traits. Guys, it is impossible to parent as God desires you to parent until you realize a basic truth. Your kids are little sinners. They are. They are born rebels. They exit the wound defiant and self centered You don't have to teach a baby to cry when it doesn't get its way. I have four kids, and laboratory findings reveal. (laughs) Selfishness is a natural reaction. This is also what the Bible teaches. King David says it best in Psalm 51 verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Recently I ran across an instructive document called Introduction to Property Law from a Toddler's Perspective. Law number one, if I like it, it's mine. Law number two, if I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I say I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) When kids are born, they have no respect for other people. Nor are they ready and willing to obey standards that limit their behavior. The truth is that children are greedy and selfish and totally preoccupied with three people. Me, myself, and I. Guys, your kids are sinful little buzzards and they need to be taught and disciplined and encouraged with a single goal in mind, to respect authority. Here's a few musts when it comes to teaching your kids respect for authority. First, you've got to set boundaries and establish consequences. And if those boundaries get crossed, you have to have the nerve to enforce The consequences. What if this Friday night, the local high schools squared off for a football game, but all you had was a big green field and no white lines, no out-of-bounds, no way to know that you had made a first down, no goal line that you could say you'd scored a touchdown? The players would be confused, and after a few plays, they'd be totally frustrated. This is what life looks like for a kid whose parents refuse to set and enforce boundaries. Kids like the freedom, sure, but life ends up confused and frustrated when there are no boundaries and when there's no one there to enforce those boundaries. Hey, when my kids were little, we took away their toys. We put them in time out and yes, just like the Bible tells us to, we spanked their little bottoms. And as they've gotten older... We've gotten more creative. Now we discipline them through unwanted haircuts. (laughs) Or we take away their car keys. Or we ground them on Friday nights. Or or we ban them from instant messaging. How's that for a modern form of discipline? And we make them pay with their own money for the expense of their foolishness. But here's the point. When kids become defiant and they cross a boundary that you set for them, you have to enforce the consequence. If you don't, they will never respect the authority that established that rule in the first place. Kids learn respect. It doesn't just happen. You see, the second way that a parent teaches a child respect is to just say no. And it starts with infancy. Put off a feeding to stay on schedule. Forbid a child from interrupting your conversation. Enforce a bedtime even when that child pleads for an exception. Respond to a request with the words, not now. Require patience of your child. You know, delayed gratification builds character. That's what teaches children respect. Respect. Pediatrician John Roseman, he writes this in his newspaper column. He says, the fact is, a child isn't going to develop the strength of character to say no to things like drugs, alcohol, and sex in the absence of parents who themselves don't have the strength to say no when the child whines for a new Nintendo cartridge, the latest in stereo hardware, or a new car. Every child needs a parent in their lives with the guts to say no. I don't say no all the time. There's many times we say yes, but there are times we need to put our foot down and say no. It's been said children are like stomachs, they don't need everything you can afford to give them. A child develops self discipline from parental discipline. Kids don't need to be overindulged with everything they want, they need to learn how to suppress a desire, do without a whim. Turn from a temptation. Put principle above convenience. Be strong enough to say no, and you'll earn your child's respect. Your child will respect you. They won't respect you if you don't win the battles. The third way to teach your child to honor his parents, and perhaps the most important way, is for his parents to act honorably. Don't be a parent that says, do what I say and not what I do. That is a recipe for disaster. That is the surest way to turn your kids from the things you value most. You see, parents are examples whether they want to be or not. In family life, values are far more caught than they are taught. Every parent influences his child for better or worse. Kids pick up habits, whether you want them to or not. I have an ugly habit. I admit it. When I'm out in the yard, I enjoy a good spit. I just like to spit. And my wife hates it. She hates to see me spitting out in the yard. And over the years, it's become a habit for me. I'll never forget the day, though, many years ago now. I was out in the yard with my two toddlers, Zachary and Natalie and Kathy was standing on the porch as we rounded the corner of the house And my wife saw it so clearly I spit little Zach spit and Then my precious sweet adorable princess clears her throat of saliva and blows out a big wad of spit And my wife launched into me with the biggest lecture, Sandy, what are you teaching our daughter? And that's the question that every parent needs to ask. What am I teaching my kids? Hey, if you want your kids to honor you, then you need to act in an honorable manner. And the fourth way to help your kids honor and respect their parents is to love them with an unconditional and with a sacrificial love, even when they act Unlovable. One Mother's Day, I read an ad in the newspaper for a wireless telephone company that was running a Mother's Day special. And the ad ran, She loved you when you had no hair, no teeth, and no money. And then the fine print, The least you can do is give your mom a call on Mother's Day, even if it's to tell her that not much has changed. <laughs> Hey, parents need to love their kids with an unconditional love, with God's love. I didn't think I would ever need to be reminded that I should love my kids. I mean, we had such lovable, adorable babies. I mean, they cooed, they cuddled. I mean, when I looked at those babies, love just oozed out of every pore of my being. The thought of of being tempted not to love them was just completely unthinkable at the time. But it didn't take long (laughs) for those same adorable, lovable kids to start turning up their nose and talking back. Ever heard of the terrible twos? That term was coined by a parent of a kid who didn't live to be three. (laughs) Because it only gets worse. The terrible twos give way to the defiant fives, and the sarcastic sevens, and the whiny nines, and the testy tens. And then they become teenagers, and your precious little children are no longer cooing and cuddling. They're bucking and kicking, and loving them becomes much more of an issue for a parent. By the time your kids become teenagers, they've now been around long enough to embarrass you. And to disappoint you. By that time they've spoken some mean things to your wife. And they've lost a few of your tools. Your teenage kids. Are not as lovable as they once were. Nor are they as deserving of your love. But don't think they need it any less. I'm so thankful for parents who continue to love me even when I was acting unlovable. And that's one of the reasons that I honor them today. I owe them a debt of gratitude. Bill Maher is the host of the TV show Politically Incorrect. And trust me, I agree with very few of Bill's opinions. But he did make a comment about fatherhood that resonated with me. He was asked, were you and your dad good friends? And Bill replied with a very politically incorrect answer, I might say. He said, friends? We're friends now. But while growing up, I didn't need him to be my friend, but my dad. This idea of dads getting mushy and being friends is overblown. Dads are supposed to be the guy who tells you right from wrong. Hey, as a parent, I want to be my child's friend. And trust me, I do all kinds of activities to try to cultivate that friendship. But I also know that at times, a parent's place is in his kid's face. My kids have lots of friends that will tell them what they want to hear, but they only have two parents who will put their foot down and insist on what's best. Guys, except for church... A parent these days isn't going to get a lot of help from the world at large when it comes to teaching their kids respect. The institutions of this world, the spirit of this age, has no interest at all in teaching kids obedience and respect. Trust me, the MTV executives aren't sitting down tonight plotting ways to teach children to respect authority. The next CD release of Eminem or Britney Spears or Nellie won't be entitled, Obey and Honor Your Mother and Your Father. The next episode of The O.C. won't be about children learning to respect their parents. Media moguls and advertising executives and film producers and video game creators all spend millions of dollars a year to advocate disobedience and disdain for authority. Even your children's classmates and peers at school, often the public schools themselves, aren't helping either. Other than church, parents today are operating in a hostile environment. That's why we need a purpose. That's why parents today are in a fight for their families, and they need a purpose. They need to be focused and set on teaching their children obedience and respect. We need Nehemiah's battle cry ringing in our ears. He told the workers on the wall, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Guys, let's make respectful kids a non-negotiable. First, let's be one. And second, let's raise one. For the parent-child relationship is the nearest thing on earth to a Christian's relationship with God. Let's honor our parents and then let's be honorable parents. Let's show respect and then let's teach respect. Hey, we honor God by honoring our parents. Would you join me as we pray? Father, we thank You for this morning. And we thank You, Lord, for this word to both kids and parents. Lord, help us to make respectful kids a non-negotiable. Help us be one, help us raise one. Lord, we thank you for our parents today. And even though they might have failed us in many ways, even though they might not have been a great example of a parent, we appreciate their position. And we realize that that position is crucial to the formation of society and to the raising of kids. And, Lord, if we didn't have such a good example growing up, help us, Lord, to look beyond that parent to the ultimate parent, to our Father in heaven, and help us, Lord, to learn from you and model our parenting after the way you have parented us and help us, Lord, to trust you and help us, Lord, to depend on you to make us the parents you want us to be. Father, we love you. We want to be respectful. We want to be respectful kids, and we want to raise respectful kids. And so help us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.